0: Pathfolk and welcome to the find the path podcast actual play of the mummy's mask adventure path after party 59
1: very old 59
0: yes so this is going to be covering episodes 175 176 and 177 so to start things off 175 saw us uh (laughs) fighting and i'm going to use that term loosely uh it
2: more like retreating hastily. I was going <laughs> to say,
0: it was fight because we got literally like almost destroyed in one round <laughs> and ran. Yeah,
3: yeah. It, it wrecked well, us pretty good. We'd already been through some stuff that day. And mm-hmm. then a dinosaur appeared out of the sand and tried to eat Sudi. It was just yeah. a lot. all over I, it was I bad. I seriously...
2: Whenever he was describing the scene, so I thought I had literally like stuck my shovel into him and like that's what woke him up, but apparently it was still like 20, 30 feet away and everything, I was like, oh crap. So I was thinking it was a lot worse. At least we had one round before he bit us.
0: (laughs) I was surprised at how fast he was because I thought he'd be like a slow lumbering dinosaur, but no.
2: Have you not seen Jurassic Park 3? There's a Spinosaurus in Jurassic Park 3. It's the main antagonist.
0: I haven't seen that since it came out.
1: I like how often Rachel keeps bringing up Jurassic Park 3.
2: Well, it's because of the Spinosaurus. It's that's because really
1: Spinosaurus it. is in there. Does that make a uh, Sudi Sam Neill or?
2: Jeff
4: Goldblum.
3: I don't think Jeff Goldblum's in Jurassic Park He's 3. He's not in Jurassic Park 3. He isn't. He's got black
4: hair, so that's where I went.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and he wore black, you
1: know. And he
4: wore black. He wore a lot of black.
1: Uh, <laughs> uh, it's a tie. Yeah, I was, yeah I was, it's a tie. <laughs> No, Surat basically beat you guys down in the same way that you beat down the Hamshet suit uh, shortly there before. Yeah, so, yeah. Less than one round, and the fight's over. <laughs> we had
0: decided to uh, do the old teleport away, and sure. have done yeah. so, yeah. remembering the fact that he was unkillable, and thus we needed to go uh, swap out the uh, statues to make him actually killable.
3: But would make him him
0: even stronger, which is seeing how he was when he was quote unquote not as strong means we probably don't want to face him at all.
3: I don't want to take the risk of us not being able to actually target and destroy the cartouche that would have made him vulnerable if, you know, we didn't switch out the statues. That just seems like a long shot. So I'd rather have him hasted and killable, where we can attack from range than uh, yeah. I was
0: gonna to say that the, the biggest thing from that that I took is that we do not want to get into base to base contact yep. with him whatsoever.
2: <laughs> um, except for we kind of have to. Nope, we're gonna have to just take our time and shoot nope. him
0: from far away. Gotta shoot him a bunch.
2: Okay, except for
3: I can't do enough damage to hurt it from far away.
0: That's why we're going to leave it up to our magic folk.
3: We're not going to have enough spells that are going to yeah. kill him. You guys are going to have to flank him while we're using spells from afar. That's the only way. Yeah, uh, I hate to tell you, Sudi, but you are the front line with me. Yeah.
0: He hurt me a bunch, man. I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Well, it's either kill him now or Hakatep is riding him in the last fight, okay? <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. To be fair, if Hakatep came in riding the Spinosaurus, I think all of us could guarantee we would just run. <laughs> That's just be what like, happens no. if
4: you lose the AP. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. That's the the, the you, you lose the game like the game over screen, it's just like him riding the Spinosaurus, like I'm disappointed in you
3: he's vulnerable to ice but he's a dinosaur undead he's probably got half a million hp so you know that's well, an
1: exaggeration but not by much <laughs> i was gonna say but
0: you can hit him with like some cone of colds just a you, bunch
3: of cone of colds
0: yeah you hit him with a uh, ray of frost like a thousand times <laughs> so he doesn't and we regenerate. also don't
3: know if we don't know that
0: oh crud you're right we don't know that <laughs> i don't remember many undead having fast healing but I mean it's possible, I guess. The bigger
4: issue is we're gonna go through this whole tunnel, this whole like pyramid and, and then uh, you he's think gonna, he's gonna come back? He's gonna be back by then because he'll have given up looking for us.
1: You'll be like, hey, guys.
4: So again we'll try to fight him at the end of the day. Although I say we don't, we just like sleep and then leave.
1: I
0: don't know. Well, well that's sleep. one of those we'll cross that bridge when we come to it, I feel like.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know if making a, a decision on that at the moment is is wise. Well there's no so way. So you're hanging
1: out inside the teleportation trap. Yeah, I'll just wait here for it. That's what
0: the teleportation trap does. It just dumps you back at the entrance. Uh, That'd be something. Um, But yeah, we had gone to the Lantern Vault. We'd swapped those out. um, Decided to go back to the Guardian Vault the next day. uh, Prepared to hopefully wreck him. uh, Since Urt wasn't there.
3: He'd wandered off trying to find us.
0: Yep. So we decided, hey, you know what? We'll just uh, go in the Guardian Vault. Why not? Um, That had then led to us uh, getting... I don't even know if we made it like 20 feet inside before we were like, oh, hey, there, look at all this fog. Oh, look, it's acid fog. Mm, Oh, look, it's really acid. hard to get
3: through. We did some experiments. Mm. What did, so we- was it possible for us to use the mass somehow to not have to have the acid resistance? Or, cause I feel like that was a clue that we didn't figure out correctly.
1: Uh, No. Because, again, you always have to bear in mind with this place is that they, of course, did not know that the mask would ever exist because the mask was never supposed to exist. Yep. Um, I just don't
3: understand why the mask works in some places and doesn't in others. It seems like it would be an all or nothing thing.
1: Because some magic is designed to recognize whether or not it's Hakatep. Like, because there's a lot of spells, for instance, Teleportation Trap, you can actually declare people as being allowed to pass through a Teleportation Trap. And mm-hmm. so, like, if, for instance, someone cast Guards and Wards, which you can designate certain people to not be subject to the effects of it. Mm-hmm. If Hakatep was subject to not be the ef- or not subject to the effect of Guards and Wards, that means that anyone wearing the mask still counts as Hakatep. And so would not be subject to the Guards and Wards effect either.
0: But if the idea was that he just has to know how to, you know, walk a certain way to go past these traps or whatever, then they don't need to key it to his. Well, he's probably allowed exception. to
4: teleport there. Probably,
1: yeah, He might yeah. be allowed to teleport through this place. And in addition to that, you know, there's not an exemption option for solid fog or yeah, acid fog, fog in this case. It's just, it's a conjuration effect that just hangs out and does its conjuration things. Really, it's, yeah. uh, abjurations are usually the only spells that have the option to put in exemptions from them.
0: Yep. So instead we decided, well, we had searched the statue, found the, uh, the wand. was it wand of stone, stone skin? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Decided to, to turn that on and then have Sudi go scout through the place. Um which was weird because it was like just a straight line that was just like and then you go left and then you go right and then you go left and then you go right and so he had gone all the way to the first intersection which for me was like the point where I was like all right I'm either one going to get lost or two I'm going to step in a trap so that was when I was like okay I think I'm going to just cuz I couldn't decide whether I wanted to go left or right you know Well so I was like, you all would I'm have stepped on back. a trap. Yeah. And I didn't realize I would have stepped step on a trap.
2: away from it.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I didn't even realize it. Got yeah, lucky. Um, so we'd gone back. I'd gone back, gotten the party. Um, I think we'd cast acid resistance um, on the group.
4: Could have saved the stone skin and just done acid resistance, but I think the stone skin, stone skin it came in handy with the you know fog fight. I it, think it, did, it uh,
2: saved Sudi, for one because uh, they were having a harder time hitting me because I think Masika and I have the highest. Uh, armor classes. I know Masika's is higher than mine.
3: Yeah, masika has um, got a thirty-five before adding anything else. Yeah, into and it. mine's
2: a thirty-two.
0: Yeah, and so. I'm I'm only at a thirty normally because of course monk can't wear armor.
2: Yeah, so I think I think the stone skin definitely saved Sudi's butt for because uh, the first time, yeah, they hit him pretty good, but it, like whenever we had that uh, the second round of it later, it definitely came in handy because they all focused on you.
3: Yeah, but that's the next episode. That is so.
0: Well, yep. You uh, I, that. <laughs> I will let
1: you in on a little something before we get to that because that episode ended with the tease for the Henshepsu fight. Yep. To let you in on a little something fun, when you first enter into the fog, that's what alerts the Henshepsu.
0: Ah! Ah. They sense
1: it and become cognizant of the fact that you're there. However, they only know that someone has entered into the structure. And as such, they get up, they kind of walk their way over, they open the door, they walk their way up, they quickly split up, like they stop, check the double doors that lead to the south, quickly split to check each one of the other three branching passages, meet back up in the central room, then make their way up the passage and then enter into the mist. Feasibly, if the party is fast enough... And by that I mean if the party can go into the the mist and then go all the way the, all the way through the mist in 1 minute, you can actually fight them in the hallway instead. Oh, uh-huh. interesting because they take a quick couple they basically take a minute out to check all the other doors before they enter into the mist. But because Sudi slowly walked his way up there, went huh, and then walked back and then had a conversation with the party.
2: Oh, uh, gave him
1: some time. Uh, That's yeah. why they were already in the mist by that point.
0: Interesting. But uh, we had also discovered that there were at least, well, at that point, one dispel magic trap to mm-hmm. dispel whatever's on you that's basically giving you the resistance, which it's is a especially trap. mean. That's a mean trap. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, this book has got really unique uh, traps and unique uses of traps. Because like, this is one of those traps. It's like, if you didn't have a rogue, you just have to like, somebody just has to like take that and just get, you know, some acid damage while you recast whatever you've
1: got, assuming you can. One of my favorite things about the uh, dispel magic trap is. Uh, It's reset is automatic, which means the round after you trigger it, it's reset and ready to trigger again.
0: Oh, that is so rude. (laughs) Well, because it's especially rude because so let's let's go through this scenario. You've already walked what, like at least 60, 70 feet into like through the kind of winding entryway to this. You get dispelled. Let's assume you can't just recast something that will give you the immunity and you need to retreat out. You're moving at half speed back out. So it's at least going to be a couple of rounds even if you're running. And because it's like, you know, twisted and turning, you cannot use the run action to yeah. get out. So it's going to slow you way down.
1: At bare minimum, it would take you four rounds to get back out.
0: Oh, And since it's also a greater
1: Oof. dispel magic, it would hit, like if Citra triggered it or something like that, or Sudi, for instance, if Sudi triggered it, it would dispel Stone Skin, then dispel your Acid Resistance, then attempt to dispel your Light Spell. mm mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, just, it's a very interesting, fun, unique trap. I applaud Michael Cortez for all of his unique traps for this book.
0: Yeah, which yeah. does bring us to the fight with the Hanshepsu where we discovered that uh, fighting them in the fog is real hard when you're in a you know four-foot-wide hallway.
3: Yeah, it was Oh, yeah, the- just a bit. The the narrow corridor was impossible to get by anybody. Yeah. Masika is useless in golem fights because, well, magic resistance, and she doesn't have the strength to overcome their damage reduction, even if she did whap them.
0: Well, I mean that's that's kind of how like like contract fights just go in general is like the spellcasters have to just buff the melee people and you know hope for the best.
1: Specifically, golem fights because not all constructs are mule. Oh, that's magic. true. It's yeah, just golems. It would be interesting because like if you guys had gotten a little further along, you could have fought them elsewhere, which would have allowed you to try to use the hallways to circle around behind them, but also constantly risking the chance that you'll trigger another trap. Mm-hmm. So it becomes a fun risk reward kind of situation, like Citra eventually did in that fight. Where she went, okay, well, I guess I'm going to try to run past, but fortunately, since she's a rogue with Trap Spotter, yep, she actually got a chance to notice the trap right before she stepped on it.
2: Exactly.
0: Yeah, and really, like, our saving grace on that was uh, the pummeling style actually being able to get through the, the Scarab uh, version uh, immunity to the golden Bane Scarab.
1: Arguably, say, the saving grace for that fight was the haste
0: because yeah, that yeah. removed that a lot of the penalty from lot. the solid fog. That's true also, yeah.
4: And that got rid of the fog for a little bit, and that was such a nice respite. Yeah, yeah. that yeah. Uh, that
2: gave Citra enough time to kind of run around the outside and and get into position. That was definitely helpful. I seriously thought that was going to be a super bad move on my part because I was like, if I only get one round on this, I don't know if it's going to be worth it. But uh, thankfully, your Dispel Magic worked for enough rounds for me to kind of get where I needed to be and not totally, just isolate myself and get my butt killed.
1: <laughs> and uh, Masika got to pull out the songbird, which we haven't seen. Yeah, in a long time. yeah, since yep. uh, what the, the, sphinx the
2: mummies? No, yeah, the flying
0: yeah, the flying pyramid with the uh, yeah, the harpy mummies.
2: I just always think of the clockwork one from Clash of the Titans. Yes. I just usually
3: <laughs> have like more, I have like spells or s- stuff that'll you know help. Do something. But yeah, yeah, yes. That's, well, I mean, I mean, I've burned challenge. that fifth level scroll one of them to
4: become a cat and then did nothing in that fight so sometimes things just don't go the way you want them to go
1: yeah you were victorious though
4: mm-hmm. yep. i got to be a cat which is you know fun in and of itself yep
0: but yeah, we had uh taken one of the uh i guess the scorpion head as a trophy um stuck it in a bag because we didn't have 10 minutes to uh <laughs> go do a stone tell and see yeah, if the it plan was just to up. have
3: you talk to it and see if it could tell us anything but then we found out those freaking golems regenerate. So. Well, that's the
0: funny thing is like it would have been really interesting if I had been like, oh sure, we'll take ten minutes out to do this like for some reason, and I would have tried it, and within one minute it would have been gone, and it would have been like a nice like foreshadowing of them being able to come back.
4: Well, and by then they would have been back and up in our grill again, out in the fog.
0: <laughs> also, this yeah,
1: funny that is a change. It was a choice that I decided to make in uh, in those episodes. I fought with myself because it gets into a little... Sometimes people ask us what we do differently because we're doing recordings. And one part of it was a fight with a Han once. Okay, you guys fought that one back in the day. It was a quick fight. It was just kind of a throwaway almost encounter. The fight here, this was an interesting, fun, entertaining fight. It took Mm -hmm. you guys the entire time. Arguably, you guys probably spent more than a minute afterwards having a conversation, talking, slowly moving through the passages, all the rest of that, getting out of there and then getting to the hallway with the uh, the anuculation trap which we'll talk about Ooh. yeah I considered just having you guys open up that door at the end of that episode and the three hencheps who's just standing there waiting for you <laughs> and then round two against them there and then you would have been like oh wow that was really weird they were back all of a sudden and then you have to figure out the trap and you go down the hallway and then you're like okay so which direction do we want to go and then the door opens and all three of them come walking back out of that, that room again because <laughs> it regenerates them every ten rounds Ooh. Yeah. And just going, well we do a fight with this again and then they run down there and then maybe you'd get into that room and then find that and then figure out what's going on with those platforms soon enough to stop them. Otherwise you'd have to fight them a fourth time. Oh, God. And I just decided, yeah. you know what? Like rule of 3 is okay, but to be perfectly honest, I think it worked out fine doing the one fight and then the second fight for the ha ha, I got you. But if it was a third fight, it would just be like these guys again. Okay.
0: Yeah, I mean, and it it would have run into the problem of like it kind of just gets samey after a while because, like, yeah. I mean, it, it would be one of those, man, where there there sure are a lot of these chefs, because there's also nothing differentiating them as like three, the same three individuals. No, they
4: seemed like the same three because they kept saying things yeah. as though they
0: knew us. Well, no, I mean physically. Like physically, there's nothing differentiating yeah. them from one another.
1: But I, but I think Jessica's point is right there where you immediately knew because these guys were referencing the previous fight with you. Yeah, it was, yeah, yeah that, that was, that was like, the hint. You know, focus on the monk. Don't let the, the rogue get behind you, et cetera, et cetera.
0: But there is one of those things where like if you weren't the kind of GM that wanted to add that little bit of, of a hint to it, you we would just be like, man, there's just a lot of hand ships in here. You know, who knows how long it would have taken us to figure out they keep coming out of this room. <laughs>
1: Yeah, because feasibly if you even go down the wrong corridor or something, it's like, okay, we go through these 12 doors and we're like eight doors through those 12 doors and then suddenly the Han Shepsu are stabbing the party in the back again. (laughs) God, why?
0: Yeah, because like from a motivation of the Han Shepsu they shouldn't want you to be able to find the room where they keep spawning in from, you know? Because that's like their one weakness is like if you find the place where they're being generated from, you can stop them, which we ended up doing.
1: And considering that one of their options is to turn their head into, I think it's a falcon or a hawk that gives them permanent fly. No like so just get a no, 60 seriously? Foot fly speed and go oh. flying around oh. the place to attack you.
4: <laughs> what wow. was the hippo head?
1: Oh, the hippo head. That one was fun. Uh, that one I believe gives them a plus four against any combat maneuver check to move them or like trip them or anything like that and gives them a dr of fifteen. everything. Wow. Oh. wow. Oh, God. I was just like, I don't really want to dang. use that hippo head, but because you guys have so many golden bait scarabs, the scarab head made the most sense. Yeah. Yeah. Even though I yeah. decided to try to mix it up a little bit in that previous fight, where I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll use the cat head that gives them a higher AC bonus. And that was the fun. Bubonic plague head, <laughs> vulture. Yeah, but it's uh, good thing plague. it hit me,
0: because that could have been bad.
3: Eh, anyway. I have removed
1: disease. Sorry. That gets, yeah. that gets a little ahead of us on the Henshepsie stuff. I mean, but.
0: we yeah, we did. But uh, so episode 177 saw us get out of the fog, uh, go into a hallway where uh, Citra discovered an inuculation trap. Ooh. It was awful. For those who don't remember inuculation from...
3: Just a sec is amazing and also Horrible. like an evil genius.
1: Scoop yep. your eyes out. Yep.
3: Yeah. In case anybody didn't know
2: what inuculation meant, it means when your eyes are gouged out of your brain. Yeah, no uh, go back
1: to our discussion about this back with old Eye Taker.
0: Yes, yeah, to so go that all the you. way back to when Sooty loses his eye for that. But this
2: what? one, close hey, your
1: eyes. Yeah, I didn't have to put a content warning on this one. <laughs>
2: Yikes! Yeah, Yikes.
0: but it's one of those things that it's like, I mean, how? Like again, if you don't have a rogue, somebody just this just happens to him and you're like, well, that's a trap. And well, then apparently, just, if you you know. close
4: your eyes, you're fine.
1: Yeah, uh, it specifically states that. uh any character that enters the southern 30 feet of this hall is targeted once per round uh, by oh, potent oh, telekinetic what? force. Yep. Wow. Uh, and tug and pull at the eyes. Uh, closed eyes, eyes behind you, blindfolds, look, and eyes a, that like are already sightless uh, are unharmed by this effect. Yes. Uh, but anyone capable of seeing runs a real risk of being permanently blinded in this area. The telekinetic force uh, attempts to forcefully pluck the eyes from the sockets on a success the eyes, drop to the ground, and then roll down the slope. Uh, into area H5 which is the central uh, crossroads area
3: and then the That's hen come to murder you yeah the hen
1: who are then like walking down the hallway to kill you uh, a creature whose eyes are plucked out is permanently blinded this condition can be cured via regeneration but not by a simple remove blindness deafness spells because you have no eyes Oh, God. yikes uh, yeah, it does no, specifically state, good. as constructs the hen shepsu are immune to this effect well, yeah. of course <laughs> they are But yeah, it is a fortitude save, but it is a fortitude save uh, every round that you're in that area. And the Henshepsu, if they're trying to fight you, will basically barricade the end of that passage and then try to fight you in the area of that trap.
3: If we had the time and the money, I would just make like four or five clockwork goblins and just send them forth to explode upon our enemies.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Save that for Hakatep. That's pretty on brand with this one.
3: Yeah. Yep. I was looking the, uh, through the clockwork stuff to see if there's anything else cool Masika could make. And clockwork golems or clockwork goblins get a ray attack every 1d4 <laughs> rounds from their eyes. And if when they get destroyed, <laughs> they explode <laughs> and set everything flammable around them on fire.
1: Nice. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Neat.
3: And I'm like, oh, I need a small She's very goblin like
1: also. Yeah. The aniculation uh, trap also does 1d6 points of bleed damage per round. So fun but times.
0: Awful, awful trap. T- you know it's bad when like we're all screaming like we're just like we hear what it is we're like ah
2: like oh no <laughs>
0: yeah it was bad well especially for for me slash Sudi, it was bad <laughs> um goodness but uh, yeah we had gone down uh found the accusatory statues of the six Aquaman. Mm-hmm. um so that had been something um nothing really interesting other than we did get their names I did um, really
4: appreciate. He's built like a wall. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
0: It's it's funny because when you said that, I immediately thought he was like a dwarf or something, but then, you know, he's human.
1: So. Yeah. But built like a wall.
2: Doesn't mean that you can't be a human that is built like a dwarf wall.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's true. (laughs) The mountain. The mountain from Game of Thrones. That guy's (laughs) built like a wall. Yep. I think he's still world champion uh, at the. was k I think is the...
2: Something like that. I don't remember off the top of my head. Where they
1: throw trees? Yeah, yeah like, it's like Trump, world... trunks, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah there's like... some event that... It's ridiculous. That guy is huge. And anyway. We went
3: through the open door and had Han round two stone boogaloo. boogaloo.
1: Yep. Han <laughs> reloaded.
3: And I'm glad we figured out and then just destroyed the regeneration pedestals. hmm Yep. And Narmer got his second kill of the AP.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I do like that they immediately like formed a wall and were like, don't let the, the swords person get behind you. And What's the first thing she does? She's like, I just I run around the backside bugged. and start yeah. stabbing their backs.
2: I mean, that's where the haste came in handy, but uh, I mean, yeah. it was my plan either way. It just took me less time thanks to that.
0: <laughs> yeah, but I like that that was their entire plan. They're like, focus on the monk. And I'm like, good, focus on me. I've got my stone skin I still mean, on.
2: You can do that. <laughs> you had your but... stone skin
1: still on for the first time. Two thirds of the first round.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, then they started wailing through it, but I still have DR, so it's like, yeah. you know, I mean, granted, it'd be good to just not get hit at all, but like I'm not, you know, a full plate paladin or something like that.
1: Well again, it was a good it was a good team effort there where, you know, Sudi just absorbed a lot of the damage. Citra managed to get into the flank and deal because Citra deals a ton of damage once you can get into a flank. Yep. Oh yeah. Yep. Yeah. After Sudi had absorbed as much damage as he could, Masika basically just tapped him back up. It was just like, okay, well, yeah, you guys have done hundred over 100 points of damage to him, but let me go ahead and reset the timer on that. And then Hollis yep. throwing in another haste and uh, keeping the party buffed just kind of, it worked out for you.
2: It did work out.
1: And Narmer's it's just wearing, it steadily wearing, and then, you know, Narmer got the killing blow.
2: Narmer did, that was funny.
1: It's just steadily wearing down your resources.
0: Yeah, that's yeah. that's really what I feel like the the hand chefs gonna be, would be really good at. If I was a, you know, if you're running this near a more evil GM, you could really waste some resources with them. But just yeah, just don't we, bore your players. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say that's the real thing. I did find yeah. that room interesting with the whole like, you know, it the light and all of this stuff bounces off of these different like, you know, kind of triangular uh, constructions and well, then that's it focuses the thing, in I, one place. I defined it
1: as the light but it was there was not a light beam bouncing through there it's just that's how it would work like if every surface was a mirror or something it's just the the magic emanating bounces around between there and focuses the same way a light beam would
0: interesting yeah it was a it's a really weird looking room like if you look on yeah. the map of it but uh that yeah it was really interesting and then we decided to go the uh, medieval style of uh, destroying the Han Shepsu's um, pedestals bases. yeah yeah, bases. yeah
3: one of those let's not waste spells when there's at mm-hmm. least seven undead down here in this place. And I'm sure maybe Hollis cried a single, single tear.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, I'm sure Hollis was like, but this is such a cool magic item. Yeah.
4: yeah. Maybe you were hasted and at least it was destroyed with something magic happening.
0: It was destroyed. Okay. Technically speaking, Sudi's fists are magical. I've got an amulet of the mighty fist. So, you know, there's mm-hmm.
4: that. It softens the blow.
0: Yep. <laughs> Somewhat. <laughs> I will detail but, uh, it in my
4: journal. All the yep. things I learned about it.
0: And then we had decided to uh, to go clockwise after that to the next room, um, which was the, uh, well, I guess the 12 arcane locked doors, which was mm-hmm. wild. story
3: of raw. Yep. It was cool. I like that. It was
0: cool. But it's also one of those, like, I had that, like, kind of growing dread as we went through it. I was like, why are there so many locks? Why are there so, <laughs> why, are- why did they feel the need to lock this 12 times? What are they keeping
1: inside of here?
0: They're keeping people <laughs> out.
1: Yep. Yeah. It would have been really great if you got all the way down to the end. It's like it just it opens up into a, a cavernous chamber with a high vaulted ceiling and then chains hang from the surrounding walls and ceiling, and in the center of the room is a sarcophagus, held off of the ground, wrapped in chains, and you're like, oh god, we did not want to go through those 12 doors. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah,
0: Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking, like, I was expecting, like, we go through the 12 doors and, like, something awful comes out.
1: After the third or fourth door, it's like, I feel like they're not keeping us out, I feel like they're keeping something in. Right? Yeah, exactly.
3: Exactly. And then there was six doors and weird sand.
1: Yeah, I know. Story, oh, I knew that sand, sand was
3: going to be something. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that we sand was trouble, and we knew it.
0: But there's no, no way that you can know that it's like it's uh a... the sand of an elemental.
4: It's a nice callback to that sandstorm are. monster, like way back in book one or two or whatever. That oh, was in, in the, um, yeah, the courtyard of that oh, house. Oh, yes. yeah,
0: the, the central courtyard.
1: Yeah,
2: that we try. It was like the house guardian or something. Yeah,
1: mm-hmm. yeah, way yeah. way back in the house of Pantaru. Yeah, Man. yeah. But now there's two of like, them, that and that they're probably the teens, not those
0: that, th- that chumpy, you know? They're probably
1: pretty buff.
4: Well, these, I think, are different things.
1: They're very buff. Uh-oh. They look like
4: strong boys, and they're next to me, and I don't love it. Yeah.
1: I think they're flanking Hollis. They're
4: flanking They are indeed me. flanking, it's flanking really Hollis. It's really bad. I-, I really don't like it.
0: Yep. Hollis, no like, my
1: default right now would be the Dimension Doorway, but I I'm can't... not comfortable doing that here. Yep.
4: <laughs> uh, I and and maybe... the room is
0: so small, you can't flank them either. <laughs>
4: I'm just going to try to get out of the flank personally. Yeah.
1: If pertinent, uh, each of these, uh, the two figures that rose up, are uh, uh, humanoid in shape, six feet tall, and weigh 900 pounds.
4: I'm taller than them.
0: That's a lot of sand.
4: Weird. I'm taller than them, but they are strong boys, and I am very not.
0: You are Squishy Wizard.
4: I am Squishy Wizard. I have so, one way to save myself, but otherwise, after that one round, I'm pretty much, like, effed. So
0: yep, I have to But move. we've got a six... After we deal with them, we'll have six doors, one of which is no longer trapped, but assumedly the rest are, and each one of them has a name of one of the Yakumen, so... Mm-hmm.
3: And even if the key isn't behind one of their doors, getting rid of them now is probably a good idea, because sooner or later, Hockatup's going to figure out a way to call out to them.
0: I was going to say, for all we yeah. know, there's another thing through here that, like... <laughs> You know, unlocks the, all the doors and, and lets them all free. You know, and they might have
3: us. something that just lets them pass through or something like that. But oh, that some would kind be, of pass my wall would be uh, really helpful. The bird, what, Censurit? Was that the bird?
0: No, no Censurit is, is the take her. Uh, Spinosaurus dust taker? Well,
3: yeah, but it had a name.
0: Congetrate. Because yes. yes. he was talking
3: about how he already knew Hakatep was back, that he wanted, that, you know, he was going to take the mask. So it's yeah. not inconceivable that the Acumen are also. Getting ready to ditch, yeah. I don't know.
0: We'll have to see. Or they could
3: have been
2: ordered to, you know, wait until we show up and then Mm. dis, you know, dispatch us.
0: Well, it could also be one of those things where, like, he was able to get a message to to Kinjutrit because Kinjutrit was still active, like, still around. Maybe they're all asleep, and so he'd have to do something different to wake them up, Mm. like come down here himself or something. And he just hasn't come here yet. I don't know.
3: Who but knows? in any case, they should be dealt with because I don't want to walk into the final fight with Hawkeye. like, hey, here's my giant bird and my dinosaur and my six homies and all this other...
4: And this and we lady... walk in
3: and they just are dead bodies and we're
4: like, oh, we uh, broke into a tomb.
0: Like, <laughs> we do one of those things, we open it up and we see that it's just like a single dead body and we all just have that guilty look as we slowly close well, the door. Well, we have
3: to check for the key. But yeah. I thought we'd been told that they were animated because they were per- they were keeping an eye on what's-her-name Crazy One of face. them is, anyway. Yeah. No,
1: you were simply told that they uh, act as eternal guardians.
3: Ah, uh, yeah. And you we weren't just, necessarily said that yeah. they were
1: animated. You don't know exactly how else they could be acting as eternal guardians, but maybe they're...
3: like
4: Metaphorically in the afterlife.
1: Metaphorically, yeah. I well,
0: mean, well, for all we CV, know, they I all suppose. got turned into Han Shepsu. I mean, you know, who knows? Yeah. Weird. <laughs> <There it laughs> I don't know.
3: But the plate queen lady is definitely undead. Cause I knew, we knew, didn't we find out that she didn't uh, the, the, the Tefna Jew tell us that she was undead and was locked down here?
1: No, he told you that she transformed into something a
3: thing. Oh, that's and was right. bound
1: down here. Mm-hmm. Now it may be that she's undead. You know, you really hope that she isn't alive and bound down here for 6,000 years. Here too. Yes, you also know that there is a, uh, um, a black gen down here yeah. somewhere. Fun times. Well, I
3: guess we'll find out what's up with the Ocumen after we beat up the Sandy Boys.
1: Yep. Yeah, beat the us Sandy too. Boys. Oh man. Oh, are they going to beat you?
3: <laughs> <laughs> it's not great and I don't love
0: it. Tune in next week to see us get beat up. Um, <laughs> so, I guess that brings us to our email portion of this episode. All right. We have got our first email from Ryan aka Xroot. From ah. Bastin, which Bat. is Augustana in Andarin. Sweet, Awesome. Augustana, also a good band. Ryan writes, hi, crew. Hi, hey, Ryan. Ryan. Hello. 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 I'm writing again to, first of all, show appreciation for your Discord. Awesome. I now waste way too much time on it, and it has ah. been a great entry Same. point into society games for me. Jess awesome. is almost always on there. Like, every time I look over at her computer or her phone or whatever, she's on the Discord. I am on with, so.
3: I, I check it frequently.
0: As well. Mm-hmm. Also, I've played a lot of Society stuff on there. So, yes, for Starfinder and Pathfinder, it's
1: really good. We do. We may not always respond, but we always are watching.
0: I, I'll respond <laughs> if you if you tag me. Like, if you actually at me, then you're very I'll respond. But, yeah, I, I, do, I do not. There's too many. <laughs> ch- uh, Ryan continues. Everyone in there is unsurprisingly kind and welcoming. I've learned a lot about the game and seen a whole lot of cute animal pictures. We do awesome. have a cute animal pictures uh, Druid channel. Facts. Druid Facts. Ryan continues. Congrats on becoming an official online lodge.
4: Yeah, hey. we did yeah, do that.
0: Yeah, I don't know if we actually talked about that on the show, but yeah, we are actually an official lodge for society. Mm-hmm. I think it
1: came up a while back, but it's not a bad idea. To so we
4: host specials and whatnot now.
0: Yeah, we actually uh, we have some of our own specials, and we are going to run some of the Pizo specials whenever they when they uh, have the conventions and
4: whatnot. The, we get to be one of the lodges that has specials.
0: Yep, mm. so that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Ryan continues. Second, my question. I find one of the hardest things for me to prepare when I'm running a game is combat strategy for spellcasters. When I read about a scary boss and a big spell list, or if I have to run a variety of enemies with different complex stat blocks, I often feel like I'm not playing them optimally and giving my party the full experience. Do you guys have any tips or resources to figure out creatures' most optimal and fun battle tactics?
1: Uh, I have a tip, which is remember that most spellcasters are only going to get five rounds at max. So pick the five spells that you think are going to be the most fun. Yep. And then utilize those. Uh, Also, you know your your group pretty well, so you know utilize the ones of those five that you know would be the most effective based on what they can immediately see.
0: Especially if it's one of those like they've had the ability to scry on them, or they've gotten reports back from their underlings, or something like that. Like you can definitely tailor it more. But yeah, otherwise I always basically go to the top of the spell list and go, what are the like highest level spells that are cool that I want to throw at them?
1: Yeah. Oh, also use uh, spells that give them uh, an advantage that gives them maybe an extra round or two. Yeah. Or it's that low level of wizard casting fly. Mm. Yeah, it's like, oh, it's a party of fifth level characters. And it's like, okay, if, if their enemy's a wizard and they cast fly, you're basically going, well... There goes, like, two-thirds of the party being able to do anything until, like, the enemy wizard can cast fly on the party's fighter or something like that. Yeah. Uh, see the end of book two of Mummy's Mask. <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah it definitely, like, especially when you're, like, it's, like, the one wizard versus the party, like, crowd control spells mm-hmm. become a lot more effective.
4: Fogs. Very helpful.
0: I was going to say, yeah, fogs, fogs always mess us up. Um, I think in every game we've done, every time some, uh, they drop a fog spell, Roy's just like,
1: oh, man, this is going to take forever. Yeah. We'll also say one of, my, one of the things that I dislike... When I'm looking at spellcasters, save or die spells or save or suck spells or any of those. Basically, a save or nothing happens. If you have a wizard that can only do five or six rounds worth of things, as far as an enemy spellcaster is concerned, having one of those things be, okay, make a fortitude save. Oh, you made that save? All right, well, that's the end of the wizard's turn. Yeah,
4: yeah. (laughs) Now, where that becomes really fun is when you get, uh, if they get an ability to do anything quickened, because then you can do a safe spell like magic missile quickened. And then you can do your other spell and you still will have done something even if the other spell gets saved on.
1: Yeah, there was a fight I ran once before. I think it was maybe a dungeon magazine adventure. Yeah, it was a wizard that you fight that has a high uh, use magic device and uses a scroll of harm <laughs>
3: Ooh.
1: that drops you to basically, you know, one hit point more or less and then quick and magic missiles.
2: That's good. Oh, that's rude. It's like, Dang. Geez, guys. Oh, that's
1: man. Amazing. that's <laughs> amazing. That's an amazing but combo. Smart.
4: We need to do this. Uh, I need to get but that. That's actually, I
0: was I was gonna bring up something else. If you do run multiple spellcasters, think about synergies with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like how can the different spellcasters, especially if like one's a cleric, one's a wizard, how can they play off of each other with their buffs and spells and things? So like, you know, one of them drops down a fog, the other one drops down a fireball or something like that. You know, like yeah. how do you how do you work them together to where they would be more effective? Because especially if you can justify it with like, they've got a history together, like, I don't know, they're pair of twins or their lifelong partners or something you know
1: yeah and importantly uh, don't worry so much about like playing the characters as tactically minded as they absolutely need to be because some, especially if you're dealing with a sorcerer they might not be all that tactically minded to begin with their high charisma low intelligence necessarily or something like that but take a uh, take book three of mummy's mask when you guys fought against comic is one of the most memorable things about comic was that aura borealis in the sky oh, thing yeah. and all yes. the rest of that stuff feasibly that spell may not have even been necessarily the most useful thing that he could have done but it has a very interesting design to it and so you know it it may be okay well here's this wizard and this might fly in the face of what i was just advising earlier but if his whole like go-to thing is you know flesh to stone it's like well i do remember the wizard that kept trying to petrify us all the time that guy Mm -hmm. you know or the guy who's like haha my entire shtick is force effects so it's just like interposing hand, magic missile, you know, force, cage. force, yeah, force push, force cage, magic missile, force punch, and it's like, okay, I I do definitely remember force guy.
4: <laughs> and if yep. they have you mirror image, yeah, cast it.
0: Oh yeah, mirror image definitely buys you an extra round or yeah, two. It oh, yeah, it definitely comes in handy. Especially if mirror image, and then you're like flying or something. Especially
4: if they get to hear the party coming, and they have a round to prep mirror image. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Actually, Jessica raises a very valid point there, which is uh, preparatory spells. If they know that the party's coming, be sure to check the duration on defensive spells. And if they last for like a minute per caster level, that's plenty of enough time if you know that the party's only like a room or two away. And then if it looks like it's going to, oh, the party's going to wait out the timer, feel free to have the wizard just throw open a door and toss a fireball in there just to kind of speed the party along.
4: Yeah, because they've got a timer.
1: <laughs> it's like it, I've only got like a minute left on these spells. Let's let's move this along, are very guys. Very aware Code of cold. their timers. Very aware. <laughs> yes, yes. So yeah, preparatory buff spells also always a good thing.
0: Yeah, and a lot of the stat blocks will tell you like they prepare yeah. mage armor every day, or they prepare you know, or they have a you know they drink their potion of blank before yeah. combat or something like that. You know? And some
1: of them will include things like cast invisibility when they hear the party coming or something.
0: Yep. Anyway. Yep, and that's uh all Ryan wrote, so thank you, Ryan, for writing in.
1: Mm-hmm. Thank you, Ryan. And thanks for uh joining our Discord and uh you know keeping involved in the community.
0: Alright. Uh continuing on, our second email comes from Isaac from Elkinstar. Nice. Hey Isaac. Hi, Isaac. He Hello. writes Hi, FTP crew. Hi, Isaac. Hey Hello, Isaac Hello, Isaac. My name is Isaac. So, Leon? Oh, also, Soleon? Oh El-
4: Soleon. Aeon is how I always pronounce it, So
0: Leon on the Discord, and judging from the after parties so far, I'd be from Alkenstar. Hey. Oh, Oops, heck. I must have missed gunslinger training. That's
2: fine.
1: <laughs> it's every other Thursday at the YMCA. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Only in Texas is it at the YMCA. <laughs> or
2: church.
1: Or church, yeah. Oh, every goodness. other Thursday at church camp also. I, mean, oh. I did learn how yep. to
2: shoot a rifle in church camp, so, you know. Sure.
0: Uh, so he continues on. I'd assign myself another class, but I have yet to fully familiarize myself with the region. And generally, considering myself the commoner NPC class, anyways, maybe one of these days I'll level up.
4: Uh-huh. There you go. <laughs> as,
0: as an amateur artist, <laughs> I'd have to incorporate Shalin somehow. Anyways, that's two keep paragraphs her. too long about me. <laughs>
2: <laughs> You're an amateur. Props,
0: props for being an artist as a person who can't draw. Yeah. Uh-huh.
2: yeah. Yes, and we always like hearing about you guys. So yeah. keep it mm-hmm. going
1: the gunslinger of love
2: I was an I like inquisitor
1: it. of love once which is pretty great or an inquisitor of love that takes the uh, black powder inquisition where you can use a gun
0: mm. <laughs> oh man that'd be pretty good
1: you um, could just play uh, shot through the heart every time you kick through <laughs> the door yeah.
4: <laughs> <laughs> your that's your walk
1: that's on your, your, music. That your thing yeah that's you your walk on, the on the music, music for sure
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh man
1: I hope someone uh, takes that character idea <laughs> oh with it. Know, we're, <laughs> just
0: ge- we're just giving them out now um, <laughs> So, uh, Isaac continues, I wanted to thank you all for making such a high-quality podcast. Find oh, the Path is my you. favorite podcast, and I recommend oh. it to literally everyone because I can always be confident of the quality of the content. Thanks. Aww, thanks. Thank, you. thanks. Well, thank you. We work hard. We do. Mostly Rick works hard. The rest of us are just kind of here talking to my camera. <laughs> hey. <around>.
3: hey. <laughs> we, we all work hard.
2: No, we
0: all work
1: hard. Yep. He
2: just works harder than us, but we he all work more. Harder.
3: He there we go. More. Works
2: more.
1: Yeah, Rick works more for sure. I do require that you guys show up and deliver the magic every time.
4: <laughs> and if not, we get replaced.
1: Yep. He has one yep. of those
4: uh, bases or whatever where if we are just not magical enough, he like murders us and we re- we regrow and then mm-hmm. we're back.
1: I do have a, a button at my desk to dump people into the lava pits that I build mm-hmm. under everyone's houses. <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> That's
0: why I'm A very A t- 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 mustache twirling <laughs> evil of you, Rick. <laughs> true. Um So Isaac continues, your characters are so real, fun, and interesting. The mm-hmm. quality editing helps combat keep moving at a pace fitting of the situation, and your role play always keeps me interested. Awesome. I, I will say there's a lot of editing that happens with that.
4: <laughs> Thank you. We work hard.
0: Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you. Um we do we do try to do math quickly. We are not always successful.
2: That is why no, no. I tend to have a calculator handy. I am faster uh, than I used to be, but I am still the slowest of us all.
3: Sometimes I'm still not 100% sure what numbers are, so you know.
0: It especially gets uh, dicey when there's so many bonuses you're getting from things. Yeah, how does the from a dimension stuff? that yeah.
3: doesn't have numbers? Yeah, it's very... Stop it's ruining it's the illusion, very...
1: everyone, because I edit out all the time you guys do math, and so you basically bounce a die and immediately give me a number. If anybody <laughs> watches our live shows, they know that's not how that is.
3: It's not my fault that I learned the non-Euclidean way to do these things, guys. Sure. Okay, mm. I try. How close is it to light speed? That's what I really care about. <laughs>
0: <laughs> there you are. Oh, goodness. Isaac continues. Censoring swears super helps. Not that I'm offended by swearing, but I can know for certain that whoever I'm talking to definitely won't be offended or scared off at the same time like other shows I would enjoy.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, thank you. Well, again, we try to make it as accessible to everyone, even though, you know, we do have an explicit rating. Um, well, yeah, that's, but again, we do have an explicit yeah. rating because
3: violence, murder,
1: Well, we are Americans, and as Americans, violence is 100% fine, as long as we don't include explicitly sexual and or profanity. But we can have as much violence as we want, because, you know, I grew up watching G.I. Joe. I know how this works. (laughs) (laughs) And knowing is half the battle.
0: (laughs) Oh, goodness. Um, Isaac continues. Speaking of which, I absolutely love the dynamic between all of you. The respect you all show each other, even when joking and teasing, is mature in a way that attracted me to the podcast. And y'all definitely show how vulgarity is no substitute for wit, because I bust out laughing in the office several times and earned a few worried looks. (laughs) You're welcome. Isaac continues, Aside from gushing and generally fanboying, I wanted to email to ask a question that y'all have possibly already received, in which case feel free to point me to when and where, but at the severe cost of that, you must enjoy a dessert of your choosing. <laughs> Why? I'm not sure. A Is question? that the question? I'm not mm-hmm. sure if that's the question. <laughs> I'm going to assume that's a question. What's your I'm gonna favorite I'm going to
1: assume dessert? that's a question, and I'm going to say, uh, I'll be the generic one. I'm going to say a classic banana split sundae. Mm. You can't argue with the classics.
4: Banana. Strawberry, weird. vanilla,
1: chocolate. Mm.
4: What do you mean bananas are weird? They're good, He's... but not with ice cream. I don't know. Oh, I love I, it. I have feelings. I mean, it's fine. <laughs> Jessica? Uh, I, you, I'm tempted to go ice cream theme, but I'm going to stick with my original thought which was key lime pie
1: mm, that's a good
0: one, Jordan oh man, I, uh, a Texas classic uh, I love pecan pie mm. like an unhealthy amount
3: fudge pecan or regular? seasonal
0: uh, definitely fudge pecan huh. Heather?
3: Uh, better than sex cake is the most amazing dessert on the planet. What is
1: Where is that?
3: <laughs> it's a cake. It's a whole. Where mess. do you find this
1: cake? <laughs> I've never uh, had it.
3: Isn't it like white cake and like cherries
4: and pineapple and? It's
3: and... the one that I have is, had was chocolate cake, and it's got like caramel and peanut butter and all sorts of delicious stuff all over. it. Oh, that it. sounds decadent. There is a cake called the milky way cake that my dad's
4: ex-wife used to
3: make <laughs> that i think heather would like and i'm making a mental yeah. note to make one for her at some point oh yummy yes this cake the better than sex cake will also make you diabetic it's very very yummy mm. i'm not there sure what all entirely is in it but it is i could eat like the whole thing in one setting and then go mm. die in a diabetic coma but anyway well. <laughs> Sounds
0: rachel
1: tasty.
3: uh
2: i'm also kind of a classic person um I am I do not have the biggest sweet tooth as everybody else here, but I love me a classic chocolate chip cookie. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, you can even go into variations. Um, uh, an oatmeal chocolate chip cookie was very common in my household, like, because mm-hmm. my, my family did not buy cookies. They made cookies. Like, anytime we were like, oh yeah, we really like cookies, my dad would just go, like, whip some up, or my grandma would whip some up and everything. I cannot eat store-bought chocolate chip cookies, but homemade chocolate chip cookies. That's
1: there we what, go. That's what mm, it is. I'm yep. very
2: surprised it wasn't mint chocolate ice cream. I do love me some mint chocolate chip ice cream, but I don't know. There's something about a chocolate chip cookie because it has that, mm. you know, the, the buttery saltiness totally. with the chocolate sweet. And I'm I'm always that salty sweet mix. Mm, agreed.
1: we am going to assume that that was our low ball question.
0: I, yeah, I have no idea if that was even a question because uh, the next <laughs> paragraph begins. In the off chance it hasn't been asked, do you generally play your different campaigns as though your characters are all in the same canon? And yes. would slash do yes. you continue to do so with the podcast? Yes. Yep. Yes. Yes. We've I, actually my... even made references to previous
1: adventure paths with our characters. Uh,
3: if the one of the recent episodes of Tyrant's Grasp, Rick actually made a reference yeah. to a p- previous campaign.
1: Yes. So technically, you know everything. Uh, you know, There's the the find the path universe of uh, you know or the find the path extended universe,
0: <laughs> which before was just called the. I don't know Rickaverse or something. Our, lives, our, <laughs> our, our, our game universe. Are,
1: yeah, our in-game yep. universe. <laughs> you know, in my mind the events of Mummy's Mask of course took place before the events of yeah, about a year before the events of Hell's Rebels I believe started. And so, you know, the Mummy's Mask characters are still existing in the same world as the Hell's Rebels characters like, you know, the characters from Hell's Rebels, Cesare and Vittoria and Adria and, you know, they're they're all elsewhere doing their own things even though right now like Vittoria's still in school and Cesare's just grading papers and none of them have begun the rebellion that eventually they will in the start of Hell's Rebels, but they do still exist in the same world. And feasibly, you know, they might just be reading a broadsheet one day and going huh, flying pyramids over Geb. <laughs> oh, okay. Weird. File that around. I mean, that's, that sounds like some other person's problem. <laughs> I've never yep. had the occasion to use it, but I've also always liked it as a fallback. Mm. Where I've always liked the idea that if a party, I think I've mentioned this in a previous after party, but if the party, if a party TPK'd in like book four, that I would just pull out book six and have the party, like have everyone grab their characters from a, a previously completed adventure path that was nearby. Like if uh, the events of curse of the crimson throne, you know, the party TPK'd in book five. I could just go, okay, we'll grab all of your characters that completed Rise of the Rune Lords, and we're playing through book six of Curse of the Crimson Throne now. Just like, well, things over there have escalated enough that the nearest by greatest heroes go, well, we've got to get in here, even if we don't really understand entirely what's going on in this situation. Catch us up to speed. What's this evil queen you're talking about? (laughs) Does this get to
4: happen in, let's say that like Mummy's Mask, we finish, our characters are all, you know, doing their stuff. Citra and Falto were going to go north. Yeah. So if things go sideways and Time is Grasped, can, like, Hollis and Sudi and Masika and Citra and Falto show up? Because that'd be amazing.
3: <laughs> I think we were going to go that far north. Well, you never know. You never
0: know. It's feasibly possible, but, uh, Falto yeah. Falto walks
1: in. He's like, I hear you guys are having some undead trouble. I know some people. Yeah, we hate <laughs> the undead.
0: So uh, Isaac continues. I would be very excited to see some cameos from both characters past and
1: present.
3: I and- would be, too. Rick, <laughs> you know?
1: very. I'm gonna say extraordinarily minor spoilers because this is actually from a player's guide. Uh, hmm. But one of the most interesting things I found with uh, Return of the Rune Lords, which was a later adventure path, was that you're you actually choose characters from Rise of the Rune Lords uh, and Shattered Star, I believe, to make the mentors for your player characters in Return of the Rune Lords. And that concept always intrigued me. Where it's like, it's 10 years later, and our Return of the Rune Lord characters are getting too old for this crap. They're like, we need to train up a new band of heroes.
0: I like that it's getting too old, but some of them could be like 25. Yeah, I'm getting too old. (laughs) Or an elf where
3: it's been like the equivalency of like a week (laughs) to them.
0: You're an elf and it's like, I'm too old to do this this time. Don't ask me why. I'm definitely still, you know, 120 years old. Let me find this.
4: Oh, you're much older elf. Whatever. Let me find this young protege. (laughs)
1: Much older elf. to take my spot. It gets into the whole, uh, you know. I think this happens sometimes in like Call of Cthulhu games and a couple other game systems where they're just like, you know what? I barely survived this last time. I'm not doing this crap again. Yeah. <laughs> I barely, I barely survived taking on Karzog last time, and you're saying that there's another one of these guys out here? No, I no, already did
4: <laughs> yeah. my Rune Lord. This I is did my part. Getting yeah. too old for this. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh man. So Isaac continues. And given that I'd listen to literally any adventure y'all play, I would love to see another side adventure in which we see some familiar faces return even after their campaigns That's is fun. slash are complete.
2: Fun. Ooh.
1: Yep. Get I ready for uh, even
2: considered that. That might be fun. Get oh, ready man. for
1: Doorkeepers on the Moon.
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh man. That's so fun.
1: <laughs> oh my goodness.
0: God,
3: Narmour would make so many moon jokes. Oh my lord. Moon. <laughs> <laughs>
1: All I can picture now is Norma as uh, the Space Corps from uh, Portal 2. <laughs> oh, yes. Space, space. I'm in space. Space, hey. space.
0: Continuing on, Isaac says Somewhat connected if you do. Given the timeline of adventures versus the order y'all play them in, have you any thoughts about how to avoid spoilers with certain possibly world ending calamities? I imagine characters <laughs> from certain regions would have a hard time not mentioning the equivalent of that other time the sky almost fell on us on their adventures other than just straight-out omission?
1: A lot of times the adventure paths somewhat solve that due to distance. Yeah. Like, the, the calamitous events that happen if you fail an adventure path or even if you succeed in an adventure path are a lot of times localized. So, like, I imagine, you know, again, the events of uh, Legacy of Fire take place before the events of Mummy's Mask. Yeah. Otherwise, the Legacy of Fire characters would probably be like, you remember that time that there was a pyramid floating over Catapesh? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know, but at the same time... Yeah, so, like, right now, the in the mummy's mass timeline because enough time has passed i think iron gods is technically going on but that's so far away that the iron gods characters would have no knowledge of what's really going on in osirian or vice versa or something like yeah. that
3: really you know, the that, only ones that would have a lot of impact are the first that because the first three are all in the same region and then you don't end up going ones, yeah. yeah and then you don't go end up going back into varicia again till shattered star which is like five or six years later. And then, like Rick said, Return of the Rune Lords, which is even later than that.
1: Yeah. So I think Distance does a lot of that. However, if you have played those, I think that that's a great thing. Um, I remember that when we were doing Curse of the Crimson Throne, and I'd already completely gone through Rise of the Rune Lords. And I referenced in Rise of the Rune Lords, before we even played Curse of the Crimson Throne, I referenced the recent death of the king of Corvosa, and that there's some political unrest. Mm-hmm. And then later on, still in Rise of the Rune Lords, I mentioned that there'd been a recent plague in Corvosa. And all of that was foreshadowing. However, I also did some, I guess, backshadowing at that point, um, where during the events of Curse of the Crimson Throne, I referenced an earthquake, which was actually a uh, a nod to the the very very end of Rise of the Rune Lords, where there was a, a seismic event that transpired that was felt as far away as Corvosa. You know, I don't usually like to cross the streams when I'm talking about adventure paths, but I believe I recently made a reference in uh, Tyrant's Grasp to giants in the Hold of Belskin, which is actually a nod yep. to the giant slayer adventure path. Yep. Yep. But since you're taking that completely out of context, I'm sure for most of you are just like, huh, that might be a reference to that, or it could just be, you know, flavor text for this other part of the world that we're not really dealing with.
2: True.
0: Yeah, the, the other thing with the adventure paths is a lot of times it's not a all out end out you know giant thing is happening it's preventing things from happening so Mm. if you do if you do things right and you know you're successful in the adventure path very few people actually know that anything happened at all so it's kind of that that thing of like you know if the tree falls in the forest and nobody's there to hear it so like you are these huge you know powerful heroes who've come and saved the day but really nobody knows about it unless you i guess are a bard and start singing a bunch of
1: songs about it you know or you're playing Mummy's Mask where there's literal flying pyramids yeah. hovering yeah. over yeah. a yeah. I was going to say, Mummy's Mask is one of the
0: different ones like, where it's like, huh. everybody knows something's going or on. Just,
3: or basically just the people in the nearby region, like the city, like with Curse or, you know. Yeah. Though some of the APs like Carrying Crown and Rise of the Rune Lords and things like that, they're so... You go so many places and it's so far out that, yeah, like the town might remember you... Uh, one town might remember you as those people that saved their butts... But yeah. nobody realizes the earth-shattering thing you stopped.
0: Sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Isaac wraps up by saying, I also wanted to congratulate a little bit late on the Discord becoming a Sanctioned Society Lodge. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hey, we just you talked can about that. You tell the time man. period that all of these came from. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
3: Sometimes we get a little behind on emails, guys. We're catching
0: up. We're like really behind. Uh, <laughs> you and your people there foster a wonderful environment, and I've greatly enjoyed the scenarios I played there. Play-by-post cool. awesome. slash Discord has helped me scratch my TTRPG itch and helped me make many friends to game with, nice. given I'm not kicked anytime soon for posting one too many haiku. <laughs> uh,
2: <laughs> we love a haiku. Don't nice worry. I started that.
1: <laughs> That's what they're there for. Keep up, keep up the good work, mods. Mm-hmm. Yes, we love our mods. No one is above the law here. Yep. <laughs> Um, all right,
0: Isaac signs off again. I love the podcast and all the work you do. Your podcast brings me much joy, and I thank you all for the times you've put a smile on my face. Isaac,
1: you're welcome. You, Isaac. you're welcome.
0: You're welcome. That is the all end right. of our emails, which means it's
1: time for a casting. Woo-hoo! All what we get? Right. Go ahead and bounce me a D twelve. Okay, a seven. Today we are going to be casting Geb. Ruler of the nation of Geb. Nice.
0: Exciting.
1: Geb is the founder and overlord of his namesake nation, is a powerful necromancer whose magic is in the tradition of ancient Osirian. His life is marked by his overriding passion and a rivalry with the archmage Nex. Geb came from a noble house that was exiled from Osirian and thereafter became the ruler of the land to the south that now bears his name. He first went to war with Nex in negative 892 AR, both used powerful magic to extend their lives so that the conflict lasted for centuries, and it was responsible for the creation of the mana wastes. Later, Geb launched a gas attack on Nex's capital of Quantium, killing thousands, and supposedly won the contest when his rival disappeared and has not been seen since. (laughs) Uncertainty as to Nex's exact fate ate away at Geb, who believed that his rival was merely waiting until he could have a chance to retaliate. His search for a way to find out Nex's true fate ended when Geb committed suicide in 632. However, his obsession with Nex could not end so easily. Geb rose as a ghost, unable to find rest until he can convince himself that Nex has truly been defeated. Nex has not been seen for four millennia, but Geb still worries that his rival has somehow managed to survive. Uh, For many years, uh, Geb found himself directionless, only finding relief by taking a personal interest in anything that might challenge him. Uh, He retaliated to an invasion by the Knights of Ozum, Geb stole the corpse of Arasni and reanimated her as a lich. Uh, When the warrior woman Homung invaded Geb, he turned all of them into stone, creating the Field of Maidens, and rained down a cataclysm on their capital city. However, each defeated foe only sank Geb further into despair, since none of them could hope to match his old rival. After turning Arasni into his queen, Geb left her to rule in his stead and became more and more secluded, rarely appearing before his people. However... In 4719, Geb returned to active rulership and began preparing his nation for a grand destiny, as he was certain that his old rival next was returning soon. However, Geb continues to be bound to Mekinar. He fails to remember his suicide and revival and is unaware that his imprisonment is due to his own nature as a ghost. Huh. huh. <laughs> All
0: right, I am ready.
4: I have like three, but I, I think I'm ready for my actual one.
1: All right. Come well, on. I'm gonna go first. Yep.
0: So uh, I looked at the art, and the things that I noticed was uh, a very prominent uh, nose and a very high forehead. I immediately thought of Adam Driver. He's already been cast. As That's so funny. So yeah. I was like, Adam Driver would be perfect for this. So i can just imagine him saying, "More." All right. So I had to go for somebody else. Uh, so that that was my d- big disappointment. Uh, but I'm gonna go with James Vanderbeek. What? Um Yeah. Uh, the Dawson's Creek guy.
4: Yeah, I know who James yeah, we Vanderbeek know who he is. is.
0: Yeah. He, he, he looks like he's, I mean, he's got a big forehead, but he's also just like, you know, he, he kind of matches some of the facial structure, and that was all I had to go on, so I'm just going with that. You're not going to win this vote. Uh, yeah. When do I ever win the vote? So that's fine. <laughs> <All
2: right. laughs> you, you actually have, despite what you say every time.
0: If I never check it, I never win. Oh, my God. <laughs> that's,
2: that's not how that okay, works Okay, well, that is the all. weirdest
4: poll. That's very weird.
2: Yeah. Okay, who's
3: next?
0: Uh, it Jessica. goes around, so it'll be... Uh, well, no, it goes the other direction, so it'd be Heather. Heather. Us.
3: I don't have anyone yet.
1: All right, Rach.
3: Um, so I also
2: went by the art, but I went for uh, Naveen Andrews, who, if you don't know, is like one of the best characters on Lost. Mm. Um, he played uh, Saeed Jura I believe is how you pronounce it. I'm not sure. Um, but he's just, I don't know. I, I saw the art. I saw him, and he's such an
3: amazing actor.
0: I have never seen Lost, so I. Oh, know. I love that guy. He's y- y- you you know medicine. who
3: he is, uh, if you Okay, I've I, I've got one, and it's kind of out there. Uh oh. Okay. Taikai Watiti? Oh, Taika! Taika Waititi. Oh, Taika. Taika Waititi. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I guess can... just because <laughs> the Taika way Rick was cast? describing all the shenanigans and everything, I'm just like, you know what? Crazy ghost undead that doesn't even really know what's going on anymore. I feel like he could. uh I feel like he could work with that.
0: My, um, my only thing is I had to have a hard time. He's so funny. Like, he's yeah, such a funny guy. I'd have a hard time taking him seriously.
3: Who says Geb has to be taken seriously? I guess he, so. He's, True. like, he's so he's like
0: h- hilariously mad. Is that how we're going <laughs> to do know? it? I mean. <laughs> I mean, he did a good job in Free Guy of being, like, you know, a funny but menacing, you know, kind of person. So,
3: <laughs> so that's my choice.
1: All
0: right. Okay. Okay.
1: That's, yeah. I mean, it's I definitely could. not a bad choice.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Better than mine.
1: <laughs> Alright. So I have one. It's an interesting one. I'm actually surprised it has not been cast before. But uh, I was kind of sold on the very intense eyes for the artwork. And uh and again also as an Assyrian national before his uh his undead nature. Rami Malik. Rami Malik has those incredibly intense eyes.
3: I don't know. I feel uh, like Rami Malik's too young rank. to be I don't know, he just looks too young to me to be. But mortal immortal. <laughs> yeah.
2: I mean... And a ghost. True. Just Robbie Malik just has a baby face.
1: He does have. <laughs> he has a baby face. I mean, he can grow facial hair. He's oh, done yeah. that before. And and again, like that, playing characters that are just that tinge of like obsessive.
2: Yeah. You yeah. Know, yeah. Yeah. Is, yeah. is
1: yeah. something he does so well. So that idea of him like brooding and not even realizing that he's a ghost because he's been so fixated. Yeah, so you're all for like Mr. Robot. Well,
2: and he was also a little bit unhinged and until dawn too.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, uh, oh he's god. Great until, dawn until dawn too. Yeah. yeah. He was great. So, yeah, Rami Malek.
2: Well, mine is an
4: actor whose name I'm hopefully going to pronounce correctly. Newman Akar. He is... I know him best from Spider-Man Far From Home. He plays Dimitri, the bus driver. Um, but he's also apparently in Aladdin and um, a bunch of other is stuff. Is Jafar like in Aladdin?
0: Because he looks like he'd be he's a killer Hakim Jafar. He's in Aladdin. I don't know who that is.
4: He um, but he has... You know, the same facial structure that Jordan was talking about with kind of the prominent nose and the forehead and the hair is very intense. And he kind of looks, I mean, I could buy him as an undead ghost man that rules a country. So that's where I'm at.
2: I don't know. It's just when I see the art, i the, the first thing I thought of was the guy that I picked, Naveen Andrews.
4: I don't see Geb as being very silly. Maybe a little insane, but not silly.
2: Yeah, see, I, I kind of picked my guy because he does have almost a sinister streak in Lost, yeah, that's that feels that's the right vibe, right? Like,
1: yeah. I'll, I'll bring up that Rami Malek can deliver on a very serious role as well.
2: Oh yeah.
1: Oh, definitely. We're not oh, saying yeah. that Rami
2: Malek can't deliver. He just looked like a baby face.
1: Yeah, the dude's older than yeah. I am, though. So.
2: Yeah, know, but he's got a cute little baby face. <laughs> he just has a baby face. I like him like as the when Ruby he Prince. Grins, though. It's, yeah. That would be
4: okay. Huh?
0: Ruby Prince. Oh, him as the Ruby Prince. Would oh. Be interesting. Yes. Oh, I love that.
3: He doesn't yeah. age. I don't know. Anyway. Yes. Tommy Malick is the Ruby Reeves. Prince. Keanu Reeves. Anyway, he's flying. Keanu Reeves. Well, she just said he whoa. doesn't uh, age, and there I mean, was all yeah. that, you know. Keanu Reeves but... is a vampire. <laughs> you show up thing. in Sothis
1: and like we've taken care of your flying pyramid problem, Ruby Prince. And he looks over, is like, whoa. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> or maybe oh, the okay. Ruby Prince gives off more of a John Wick vibe. <laughs>
0: Goodness, you killed by a dog. <laughs> Goodness. well i suppose that's going to wrap up this episode uh if you would like to vote for which of our castings is the official one you can do so over on our reddit vote for anybody but mine because mine was terrible um <laughs> jordan why'd you pick him because i couldn't think of anybody I'm not, at, I'm not good at i'm not good at castings look
3: after being alive so long or being undead so long you forgot your ghost it's kind of hard to take geb seriously for me now that i know that fact about him i'm He's like so obsessed. Really?
0: <laughs> yep.
3: I, I feel like all the undead at some point just kind of lose touch with anything based in reality. To be I mean, honest. let's be real; like,
0: you'll Cause... eventually forget that. Like, people have to breathe, people have to eat, people have <laughs> to sleep. Like, you mm-hmm. don't do any of those things.
3: I, well, I think it's because
2: when I same. think of Characters who are a ghost who do not know they are dead—I think Sixth Sense* and that movie mm. will forever kind of bring a slight bit of dread in me because it was so tone-filled and you know just kept you on your toes the whole time. And so, like, that's what I think when I'm like, ghost who doesn't know he's dead—it just feels serious to me. Rachel yeah, I mean Reese is so. a very
1: valid point. Why did no one cast Bruce Willis?
2: Yeah. <laughs> Because Bruce Willis would not, not have fit at weird. all. Bruce <laughs> Willis doesn't I, have I'm hair. I'm sorry, I don't think Bruce Willis belongs on the pantheon. <laughs> Maybe for somebody like action starry. Yeah,
3: but he's not. He can be one of the Jagares.
2: Yeah. Oh, he's <laughs> definitely a Jagare.
3: <laughs> like
2: I just assume all action heroes are like Jagare adjacent. Like they're so cousins take the down cast of the, the Expendables. Yeah. Movies, exactly, and they're oh, all, that's the Jigaris. Jigaris. <laughs> that's all the Jagares. It's <laughs> all the Jagares.
3: <laughs>
0: yeah. Anyway, so that is gonna wrap it up for this episode. Thank you all so much for tuning in and listening to our ramblings, and we will catch y'all in the next episode. And until next time, bye Pathfolk! Bye
2: Pathfolk!
0: Good like Pathfinders. But seriously, Robin Malik.
4: James Vanderbeek?
0: I don't know, man.